Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening. This is the Rupert Wisconsin Show, episode 42, coming at you from the Riverwood Gallery and Minger True Value Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm the host and producer, Eric Fisher. Joining me this week, Ramsey Thompson. Ramsey, how are you doing, buddy? Awesome, guys. How are you guys doing tonight? Pretty good. Not joining us this week. Justin got the whole dad-husband thing going on, so he will not be joining us this week. Is what it is. We'll have him back hopefully hopefully next week, if not within the next couple weeks. Football season's almost about wrapped up. Up in Joe. We'll get to that in a little bit here. Uh, first, got to thank our sponsors, Ray's Energy. Ramsey, I, I know we talk every week about Ray's. And really? We do? We really do. But they have another new flavor coming out. I, I saw, saw the new flavor. It's called Juice Box. And it has a picture of an apple juice on it. It looks fantastic. I cannot wait to get my hands on that. The stuff works. There's no crash. Just incredible, incredible product. And they want to give it to you. So first, when this new Juice Box flavor comes out, and I believe they're dropping it Thursday. First of all, if you want to get your hands on that, try it out. They'll usually send you like a four-pack. All you got to do is pay for shipping. So that's pretty cool. So it ends up being 10 bucks. to try it out. If you like what you try or if you want to try other flavors, stop in at your local GNC. Stop in at Woodman's. Other places have it. If you like what you try or if you just want to go directly to the source, repsports.com, use code ROOT4, R-O-O-T, number four. Get 15% off every single order, whether you're ordering Ray's Energy, the Ray's Cakes, the Sleep Supplements, the Pre-Workout, you name it, it's there. Clothes, shaker bottles, it's all there. Repsports.com, code root4. Other partner with us is Monkey Knife Fight. And we're putting money in your pocket. You know, you guys, yeah, if you just pay attention to what we talk about on the show. And if you have a decent sports brain, it's not, I mean, you watch the Packers, you know Devontae's going to score eventually. He did this week. Play the touchdown dance contest. You pick three players from the game. At least one for me, you know, both teams in any given game on Sunday. If you kind of know football or if you don't even really know football, let us know. Send us a message. Send us a tweet. We'll, we'll help you win some money. But you play the contest. You choose your buy-in. And it's, like I said, it's, it's almost easy money. It's like they want to give it to you. You know, you play these other daily fantasy sports sites and you have to make a roster. You're competing against pros who use algorithms and nonsense. We don't, we don't got time for that. No. Play against yourself. Play against Monkey Knife Fight. They want to see you succeed. So speaking of playing stuff, yeah, I'm getting destroyed in the fantasy football league. You are not doing good. I lost my first game in this league. This that, week. that is not true. I have the second most points scored, <laughs> but I also have the most points against. Gotta get a better defense. Not literally, but you gotta get a little bit better defense. So what do I gotta do? Start fighting people on the sidewalk? Like I, I don't know what you have to do, but. I'm glad you bring up the... Because the, I don't think we did a report on it last week. We did not. So I took my first loss this week. I've taken all sorts of L's. I took my first loss this week to Team Fightfield. Uh, it came down to the wire. It ended up being 127.12 to 123.94. Also taking her, their first loss this week was Shauna. She lost to Justin. I'm kind of I'm glad Justin's on the show to talk about that, but I'm also a little bit bummed because... She, she got the shaft of fantasy football this week. She had AJ Brown on her roster, who got point three and ended up with like a hamstring injury. She had the Washington defense who played against Buffalo. At the end of the first games on, at noon on Sunday, she had one point one points. She also had DJ Moore sitting it's on her bench. She had twenty point. points. Start. She had twenty points. However, 
she did come back to life a little bit. She had Aaron Rodgers going. She had Mason Crosby going. A big game out of Cooper Cup. Kept her at least in it a little bit before Justin ended up pulling away. So, tough loss for her there. I believe that's Justin puts him at 2-1 and one now. Um, we have the Lambeau chef, Zach Ledubek, getting the win over Jordan Fields, who is now 0-3. And, and then Tyson Hallis, 2-1. His only loss coming to yours truly. He beat Tony. And then, yeah, Dave, Dave Muller getting his first win in a battle of the Beatons. Not the Unbeatons, a battle of the Beatons, the 0-2 teams, taking down the Lana fan club. And this wasn't your best week, though. I will say that. You got touched. I got touched every fucking week. But this week, this week worse than others. This week was 153.68 to 97.3. Couldn't even crack triple digits, buddy. It, you know, my players keep scratching right before the game, and I'm not paying attention on Sundays because I'm usually running around doing other things. Well, here's, here's where you <clears throat> went wrong. You had uh, Daryl Henderson Jr. from the Rams, who was inactive. You had Bob Tunyon, who might as well have been inactive. Juju Smith-Schuster, who got hurt, I believe. He did. And then Rondell Moore, who had probably his worst game of his career. He had two receptions for one yard. I know. And, you know, only lost by 50 points. Yeah, only. Only 50. So, yeah, rough week for Ramsey. So he's at, now he's at the basement of the Wisconsin League. Again, though, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that this is probably more of a temporary thing, more so than a... Again, I have 443 points against, which is the most by far. Yeah. So, to put that in, for instance, uh, Eric, I almost have 100 more points scored against me than you do. Oh, my God. So... It is what it is. <laughs> we can make fun of me in the chat somewhere. Yeah. So that's that's the the Rupert Wisconsin Fantasy League. So why don't we get into the main part of the episode here, buddy? And that'll be... You want to talk about fantasy football? I, I would love to, but I don't think our listeners want us to. So There was nothing important that happened over the weekend. Nothing at all. Right, right, right. So that is... Nothing worth talking about. We're going to sure. start off with what we always start off with, with... What we had rooted for, this is sponsored by Fanatics, and Ramsey, not only is their Milwaukee Brewers playoff gear, they clinched division over the weekend, we'll get to more of that in a little bit, all your baseball playoff gear there, all your NFL needs, all your NBA needs, training camp opened up for today for the Bucks. ready to defend the title, that's all there. 300 plus powered stores, Fanatics.com, show your love for your team, whether you're on top of the world, like most of Wisconsin is right now. Or if you're a Badger fan, I guess, you know, show your love for the team, too. But Why? Uh, what an embarrassment. That's bad. We'll get to that in a little bit here, too. But, yeah, so that's sponsored by Fanatics. And, Ramsey, do you mind if I go first here? I Do what you want, dude. All right. So what I had rooted for, and it'd be so easy to pick Milwaukee Brewers here, but they have their own dedicated segment at this point, so I'm not going to take that route. I'm going to focus on the Joe Tigers here for a second. And for those of you paying attention, so Jillett is – my hometown. It's where Justin is our head football coach. And it truthfully, record-wise, it has been a rough year. They are now 0-4. No, 0-5 because of the forfeit um, due to COVID. But as We would have beat those guys though playing. Sure. Non-COVID game. But as someone who, who's volunteer, this is my, really my first kind of go-around in, in coaching, um, besides like you know coaching youth sports, which 
ironically, the last time I coached youth sports was actually as these this group of kids were coaching. Now we're in like elementary school. Oh man, come, I I know, man. The, I'm the youngest one on this podcast, but you know, 25 does just sitting all sorts of wrong right now. But anyway, um, you're start. You know, it's kind of at that point where it's really you can see it paying off. You know, it's a young group of guys. Some of, you know, even some of the upperclassmen who are, you know, there's one senior in particular who, uh, this is his first year ever playing football. Right. And so it's coming together. I mean, not a great week scoreboard-wise this week. Um, 72 to 20 loss against Gibraltar. However, like I, you know, Justin would echo these sentiments. The effort's still there every single day. And actually, I would say it's getting better. You know, as the season's gone on, there's more intensity. There's more focus on the small things, the fundamentals. And you can see the growth of a lot of these guys, and even the younger guys. You just see so much growth uh, week in, week out. And finally, at least, you know, the very least getting points on the board. Right. And, and putting, you know, just so much together, so much effort together. So that's who I root for this week. And I would like to echo on that, too. You know, he said 72 to 20. That's also played eight man, though. Mm-hmm. Which is, I would, in my opinion, is a lot more offensive focused of a game, mm-hmm. more so than. So you 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 hear seventy two points, not that that's common to drop seventy two, but seventy two isn't. Right. You, you know what I'm trying to say? Like that's still a pretty good showing for. All things considered, yeah. ro- young roster, everything considered, so. It's, yeah, like I said, just and it, it's not even about the results. I mean, yeah, that'd be nice. Don't get me wrong, but just the growth of these guys as as players, as young adults, um, coming together as a team and and really kind of putting that work in, and still not not even you know just even it'd be so easy to be discouraged, you know, week after week, and they're not doing it. You know, they're they're coming back every week. They're they continue grinding. They continue getting better. Growing together. Well, it really is a good group of kids, too. That's the... And it is... That doesn't surprise me. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. when you say that they're getting better, that doesn't say it. Like, I'm not like, oh, they're... You know. It's a good group of kids, that's for sure. All right, Ramsey, what did you root for over the weekend here? Uh, Tom Brady. Okay. He lost. He did. Anything else? Nope. Any... Uh, you got a NASCAR update for us here at nope. all? Rough week for you, hey? I know. <laughs> I would say though, you know, I was it was a good Sunday in general. Um NASCAR race at Las Vegas was good. Denny Hamlin won. There's a little bit of pit strategy that kind I was of gonna ask you about the this, guys. Cause I, I remember I had the I had the race on in my living room here. I had two TVs going, I had the race and the Packer game on. Right. And Kyle Larson, as he did ha- or has almost all season, was just coasting ahead of the pack. He had two, three second lead right. at any point in the race. And just, you know, at the end of the, what was it, the end of the second stage? Yep. What happened? For the people who didn't watch. They didn't short pit, right? Okay. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. And how... What's short pit? It's pitting before stage end to try to gain track position on the backside. Okay. And that's kind of been one of the problems in NASCAR for the last few years now has been... The, it's so hard to pass people, mm-hmm. and the car in front has such an advantage being in front versus... Because even when it comes on to the end, it was like, what, 20 laps to go? Mm-hmm. 
Chase Elliott was about a second and a half off with about 20 to go. Okay. He was able to get to four tenths of a second mm-hmm. to catch back up to Hamlin. Like, so Chase obviously had a faster car in the last 20 laps. Right. But how the aerodynamics of the current-gen cars are, Chase couldn't necessarily adjust line to actually be able to get to Denny Hamlin. Right. Denny Hamlin just changed his lineup a little bit. Even though Denny Hamlin was running slower lap times, it was making Chase Elliott run slower lap times. Right. So it kind of takes some of the racing skill out of it when you get that far in front of somebody. Mm-hmm. And... It, it's just the way it goes. Uh, Denny Hamlin's looked really good these playoffs. Um, Kyle Larson also has looked really good, and so has Chase Elliott. It's kind of been those three guys. And everyone else. And everyone else. And Chase Elliott, man, I, I cannot imagine being him this year mm-hmm. because it seems like it's just been running really well, has an issue on pit road, goes back to 25th, and then at the end of the race, you look, and he's in, like, seventh place. So he's had fast cars. He's had... Well, I'm, I'm, I'll take it one step further on that for Chase Elliott. He's probably had the most unusual reign as champion. Consider, and just when you consider, he's had such a good car all year long. He's, what, two, three race wins this year? I believe it's two. And... Just consistent, like you said, top 10 after top 10 after top 10. Um, you know, a bunch of top five finishes even, too. But he's not even the main attraction of his own team right now. And that, and that's because Kyle Larson really came and took Hendrick Motorsports and NASCAR by storm this year. But just a really, I mean, marketing-wise, he's the top of attraction. Well, but just res, results-wise, I mean, it's it's almost all eyes been kind of on Kyle Larson. It's been a really quiet year for Chase, which... Kind of an odd. It's weird though because he's been more consistent than Larson. That, yeah, I would I know. almost—that's what I'm saying. I like, go on a limb and say Kyle Lar- or Chase Elliott's average finish is probably higher than Kyle Larson's. I'd have well, to maybe look at not. That, but... The wins are probably going to skew that pretty far, right? But I mean, Chase Elliott has—I would—I would, I would if, off the top of my head, he probably has an average finish of under ten, probably, probably seven, seven, eight. I have to look at that. I I don't even know where to begin to find that. And then if you start talking about NASCAR, any average finish in single digits, so below 10, you're able to win a championship. Like, Mm -hmm. that's kind of the, when you look at past champions, that's kind of the bracket you need to be in is minus 10, preferably minus 8 is usually where you have to be. So here's here's the the difference, I guess, between Kyle Larson and, and Chase Elliott this year. Driver point standings right now, not playoff standings, but just driver points. Kyle Larson, in 30 starts, had six wins, 16 top fives, 22 top tens, 14 stage wins. Chase Elliott, two wins, 13 top fives, 18 top tens, three stage wins. Right. So they're basically mirroring each other outside of the win factor. I would I would almost bet Chase Elliott's finished second to Kyle Larson three or four times this year. Mm-hmm. And so going back to kind of what we were talking about, I really think this stage in this, or this, uh, yeah, I guess not stage, this group of three races for the playoffs. Right. With Talladega in the middle is very 
kind of unpredictable. Mm-hmm. If you look at the standings right now, Chase Elliott, I believe, is in sixth place plus like twenty two. Yeah, spot on. Is that what it is? Plus mm-hmm. twenty two at six. And then behind him is Logano. And plus two or four? Logano's plus six. Behind him is Kozlowski plus four. So, and honestly, plus 22 would pretty much mean as long as you have a decent run on Sunday, mm-hmm. you're going to advance. So pretty much six and up is going to advance with a decent run. Mm-hmm. However, now it's Talladega week, so you have a, a lot of wild cards. It's nothing but wild cards. Right. Like any one of those guys can win. So if you have one of those bottom four guys who are on the cut line, Bell, Bowman, Harvick, Byron, and all four of those guys could win at Talladega, you all of a sudden have one of those guys like Chase Elliott who's sitting pretty well right now at plus twenty two, mm-hmm. just sweating a little bit. It's that pressure's on. So this is a really big week for NASCAR. And this is kind of the big week in general for the playoffs. This is kind of the turning point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for all you NASCAR fans, anyone above sixth place right now, I'd pretty much say is safe. Mm-hmm. They should move on to the round eight. However, again, it's Talladega week. So all those kind of go out the window. Right. All right, so we go from the positives to the negatives. Tyler Hero, no good of the week time. Rams, you got one off the queue here? Not really. I mean, it's been a pretty quiet week. I, I've i got this one queued up, ready to go. So I think we can pretty go, go pretty deep on this. Sure. Ohio State linebacker Kayvon Pope. The dude who just quit in the middle of the game? Quit in the middle of the game. So I, don't, I didn't watch the game. I want to be very, very upfront. Against Akron, the, correct? What's that? They were playing Akron. Yes. LeBron James's. And Kayvon Pope, linebacker, or was he a linebacker or DB? Linebacker. I believe he was a linebacker. Linebacker for Ohio State. So here's what transpired. He was trying to enter the game and was waved off by Buckeyes linebacker uh, Tejada Mitchell. He got on the sideline and came, you know, got off the field because he got waved off by the other linebacker. And he got walked back to the locker room, or he started walking towards the locker room and got walked back to the sideline by an Ohio State staffer. He then threw his gloves into the stands, tried to take off his jersey on the sideline. Some of the Ohio State coaches had some conversation with him. Then he was escorted back to the locker room. And then he started tweeting. He, I believe at one point he said, bleep Ohio State. And then... Or he's like, I hate Ohio State one or two. I'm not. It, it got. Hairy. I get that though. Yeah, right. Like I get that. Everyone, everyone outside of Ohio State gets that. And then, not too long later, he got. No, it was it was F Ohio State. And then while the game was still happening, then he also he would later delete that one. And he tweeted, "Good luck to my teammates," and then left his tweet on that. He left that one on his feed. So he then, I think there was a, like at the time when he, before he got walked back to the locker room, he was trying to come back a little bit and then they like left him there and then the team dismissed him on Monday. What? Yeah. So in in the one hand, like I said, I get the F Ohio State part. 
But, like, buddy, you're playing Akron. First of all, you're going to play. Like, even if you get waved off the field by a different linebacker, you should get in the game. But let's let's put that there first. But then just to whatever happened after that. You know what the worst part about this is? We'll probably never actually know exactly what happened. See, I disagree. I think he's going to be very loud about this. Unless, unless he's like, the only thing I can see happening, and this probably is what's going to end up happening, so maybe you're right, is just the fact that he's probably going to go try to go with some other program, try to latch on. And be like, yeah, I was young. I was a dumb mistake. And then he's going to, like, basically, if he's smart, delete his socials. And then go from there and hope for the best. However, I'm, I don't want to say I'm rooting for chaos here because I, you know, I want to see him get his education and stuff. I don't. I, I'm kind of rooting for chaos. Like, I want to see. I hope he shits the bed. and just... I want to see what happens. Because that, that, what that sounds like to me is a spoiled five-star athlete who has always got his way. And then as soon as someone says exactly. no, then he just an absolute exactly. meltdown. So no, I hope you don't get your education. I hope you fail. And then like he, like I said, just the, uh, the lack of presence of mind just to go straight to the locker room and start tweeting like, is hysterical to me. Could you ever imagine? Like obviously we don't play for Iowa State, right? Right. Could you imagine doing another your job? Like, no. trying to rip your work shirt off, throwing your gloves at your other fellow employees. Let my headset, whatever. And then just walking back to the bathroom and just opens up the tweet and then... Yeah. No, there's... Dirty deletes them and then comes there's back. There's no and, coming back from that. And then being... I, I'm assuming he wasn't probably shocked when the team dismissed him on, on Monday, but to like, I'm sure there was like a really weird conversation that Ryan Day probably had to have. He's like... Because you, you have to have that conversation of, like, the formally, hey, like, we don't want you around here anymore. But can you imagine, like, just having to walk in that office and your boss, your coach sitting there and be like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, what do you even say at that point? Like, hey, coach, my bad. <laughs> but you can't really do that either. You know what I mean? Like, you, can't, you have to, like, if it's me in that situation and I caused that much of a scene, I, I think I just have to own it and be like, no, I don't want to fucking come back. I, I don't know. I mean, because at, at that point, like, is that something you have to do in office or is that something, like, you can do via Zoom? I mean, I mean I'm assuming he had to come clean his locker out, too, but. No, nah, I'd make him mail me a box. I, w- I would just, like, say, I'm out. I'm going to Miami. <laughs> that's what everyone does, right? Pretty they leave much. Ohio State and go to Miami? Pretty much. Yeah, that's that's got to just be the weirdest conversation. Or What do you even say as a coach, like, when he walks in your office, be like. You're done. Yeah, like you don't, that, I wouldn't even entertain do you explain, a conversation. Do you exchange pleasantries? Do no. you do you take a seat? He says no. Then what? It's just, like, like, fire, it's just like firing someone. You need to leave, otherwise you'll be escorted out. Yeah, that's just a mess of a situation. That's my nugget of the week. I, and I think that's probably a good enough nugget. Yeah, I, just, I don't really have one. It was a pretty quiet week in sports for not a whole lot of stupid anyway. Right. I mean, I really can't. I mean. Anyone else is super egregious, right? Like, the Bears nothing. letting Justin Fields get sacked eight and a half times or whatever it ended up being. But How bad of a team is Chicago right now? Not good. And then did you see Matt Nagy came out, was it yesterday, and said that all three quarterbacks are an option to start on Sunday against the Lions? Yeah, I did. And I'm just, first of all, I'm like, well, duh, they should be. I mean, why would you let just, your rookie get killed like that again? 
Because it's not, it's not even like he held the ball too long or anything like that. It wasn't like, you know, rookie mistakes where he wasn't making the right read. You know, any of that. He just got his ass kicked because the offensive line got their ass kicked. See, so I don't – I personally think that you have to let him play. Like, you have to let him play through some of that. Because benching him now doesn't do you any good at this point. You already made the switch to Justin Fields. Well, they made the switch to Justin Fields by injury. So? So you, you have an out. I'll say that. You have an out. And, and Nagy was very upfront about it, was saying that once Andy Dalton comes back, he's going to be the starter. Nick Foles is just going to be shitting his pants, being like, just, bro, what the hell, you know? I just, I don't understand drafting Justin Fields at this point and not playing him. Because honestly, I know this doesn't sound right, but I think Justin Fields gives him the best opportunity to win. Maybe. And in all fairness to, to Chicago, we can't really take the barometer of the Cleveland Browns and put the Chicago Bears in that same category. No, and that's that's the other weird thing about that game. It's just you ha- you've set him up for failure so bad because of just how talented Cleveland is, and you have an offense and an offensive coordinator for that matter who just don't mesh with what you drafted. Well, you there's what offense we're we even talking about. Chicago doesn't have one. They don't it, have right, an offense. That's what line. I'm saying. Is when you, when you look at Chicago with with Justin Fields. You have a quarterback who doesn't fit what you've built the last, what, four or five years? That Not that you've had an offense to begin with. I mean, that's been a really defensive-minded team anyway. But still. I really think that, and like I said, I, there's a Bears fan I work with, and he was all disgruntled about the game on Monday. Why? And I'm like, I get what you're saying. Like, I would be disgruntled too if I was a Bears fan. However, Cleveland right now is probably a top eight team in the league. Right. If not a little high, you know, they're in that they're, that conversation. So I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more. Ramsey's radar. I think I got a little conversation I'm gonna have with people. But the Cleveland Browns are a Super Bowl contending team. Right. The Bears are essentially a lottery team. Like, they will be a top or bottom probably eight team. They'll be picking in the top eight probably again, Mm -hmm. Um, which they need it. They need help on the offensive line. It's really kind of a shame, too, because I think Matt Nagy is a really good coach. Right. I think that he truly is. I think he's a talented coach. He got, in my opinion, what was probably the most out of Mitch Trubisky. Mm -hmm. Like, Mitch Trubisky was not a good quarterback. At all. But he was competent in Chicago. Right. And I think a lot of that has to do with Matt Nagy. I mean, I really do. So it's a shame that Matt Nagy kind of got dealt the hand he got dealt. Mm-hmm. But it's the nature of the business. It's the nature of the business. I would love to see him in Green Bay. Yeah? I would love to see Matt Nagy in Green Bay. All right. So with that, why don't we transition to Ramsey's radar? First, we got to revisit last week's Ramsey radar. And Ramsey, this is probably your best week. And here's why. The end of the show last week, not formally in the Rams' radar, but you put it in it at the end of the show. You predicted that Colorado State would cover against Iowa, and they covered. It was a what twenty-three point spread, I think I said it was. Yeah, last week, and uh, 
They covered 24-14, Colorado State. Look at Ramsey making you guys money. Yeah, so if you're if you were in a state that allows sports gambling. Or just call your local bookie. Yeah. If you're some degenerate like we are probably, I mean. That would have won you some money. Ramsey's radar. That's All the, right. that's the thing with college football. The key to betting college football. Find the out Al- whatever whoever Alabama's playing, especially when they're playing Starbucks State. <laughs> Bet bet they cover. Because most of the time that spread's like 35 points. You're going to give me 35, I'll take 35 points. Yeah, 23 and a half points for Colorado State. Yeah, give me that. Covered it and then some. Yeah, making you guys money. That was the pick from last week. What do you got for us this week? See, I was going to talk a little bit about Super Bowl bubble. And this kind of goes into what I talked about, what I rooted for, which is uh, my favorite athlete outside of LeBron James is Tom Brady, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um. And his Tampa Buccaneers playing the Los Angeles Rams. Okay. I almost said St. Louis there. Yeah. They haven't been St. Louis for a while. I know. And I almost said it. So, there on Sunday, we saw the last four teams that played. So, the Los Angeles Rams, Tampa Buccaneers, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Green Packers. You saw four teams who are actually Super Bowl contenders. Yep. And the NFC. And then, well, and the, and NFL a, as a whole, the but AFC, I would that say. That Chargers Chiefs game was really good. And that's something we'll talk about later, too. Okay. Because, um, did you watch Justin Herbert? I did. He is spectacular. I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. When he came out of Oregon, I did not I did think not he was top it. 10 quarterback, I didn't think he was anything special. I thought he was full on wrong about that. 100% wrong. And I thought the same thing. I watched him in that Rose Bowl. I think he were at my house for that game, actually. I was not because I was puking my guts out that day. Not from alcohol-related New Year's Eve fun, but just wasn't feeling good. I think you were invited. It's a possibility. So then people are over. But I watched Justin Herbert play Wisconsin. I'm like, dude, this guy is not. He's not top 10 quarterback. No. Or top 10 draft pick. And I watched him play Patrick Mahomes, and I was kind of thinking, kind of comparing Justin Herbert to Patrick Mahomes, and kind of thinking about what, how Aaron Rodgers falls in that category. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Rodgers was that guy at one point, kind of young, and just was talented, and you see it, and it pops on screen. I think Justin Herbert's on that same level oh, as those guys today. Because I think that's not near as good of a team as they looked. No, that the Chargers team as a whole. I mean, I'll grant Austin Eckler is a top tier running back, not top like upper tier, but he's a top solid, solid running back. They have some pretty good wide receivers, right? A decent defense. Yep. And that's, I mean, that's not. And they went and beat Kansas City, and like I said, at points. I think Justin Herbert was better than Patrick Mahomes. In that game, oh, 100%. Justin Field, in that individual game. Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert was the better quarterback in that particular season long. Right. Probably not yet. I'm not ready to make that declaration. But 100%, Justin Herbert was the better quarterback in that game. And really, I mean, that, what, I believe what, uh, the Chargers won by what, three? If I'm not mistaken. It was something like that, yeah. And yeah, because it went... It almost went to overtime. Right, and then they could have the field goal right then. But the Chargers should have won that game by like 10 or 14 points. Their, their 
two and one now. No, one and two. Because they lost to the Cowboys last week. No, they're two and one. Two and one. They lost to the Cowboys last week, and I can't remember what their week one game was. But the Cowboy game, they should have won too. If it wasn't for... A legal motion. A legal That's motion. the same thing that happened to them this week. They almost lost that game. Where you could have made the argument that if if they're minutes away from being 3-0... A couple plays away from three and zero, they're two and one. Week one, they had beaten uh, the char- uh, the Washington football team. So, anyways, we'll get back on track. Ramsey's radar, the teams that you need to pay attention to, in the AFC: Baltimore, Kansas City, and Buffalo and Cleveland. You could maybe throw the Chargers in there, too, at this point. See, I don't think the Chargers are quite there yet compared to those four teams that are named. I don't think so either, but the fact of the matter is, as we said it going into week four, they do have a win in that division, a very big win in that division against the Chiefs. So that's always going to help out. I'm not saying I put them long-term Super Bowl. They're definitely a playoff team, and they're Definitely, they could easily win a game or two in the playoffs. They're probably like an, or an AFC Championship caliber team. See, I think they're more of a wild card team. Just because of how talented the top four teams are that's in the fair. AFC. That's fair. I'll give you that. And I think that the Chargers are coming. And that's a team that obviously where we were just talking with Justin Herbert, they have that foundation piece. Justin Herbert, in my opinion today, is probably a top, Eight quarterback in the league, probably. I don't know if I'm ready to put him so there. So saying, I would put Dak Prescott. He's somewhere between eight to twelve. Yeah, I'll, I'll go there. And I think Herbert's a better quarterback than Dak Prescott is. So if Dak is even nine, that means Herbert's eight. That's kind of the barometer that I would have to go with as of today. And that says a lot because I've watched him a couple times now. Like I watched. The Cowboy game. I watched the Cowboy game that I watched last week. Okay. And he's talented. Like, mm-hmm. he's what is advertised. So, I like I said, I think that Cleveland looked really good. And I will even give credit at this point to Baker Mayfield. He has not derailed that team yet. And that's probably the biggest comment you'll hear from me about Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. That he all he has to do is go and not blow it, right? And he hasn't done that yet. And then Baltimore was really looks really good. I don't know if that's sustainable with all season and being as injured at running back as they've been, right? Well, and you look at their schedule too. I mean, they had a good win against Kansas City. Yep. So you know that's two. I mean, like I said, Kansas City surprisingly still one and two somehow. Which is amazing. In and well, of they itself, had a but... murderous row first three weeks. I mean, right. But that said, I mean, you look at Kansas City's up there, and then they get who they have week two or week one. Um, Baltimore. Yeah. Because week two is Kansas City, and then this week Tennessee, get... I believe. Right. Yep. Yep. You're right. And then they get. Uh, the Detroit Lions, which that was kind of a walk in the park, but you know, and I, I would say this about the Detroit Lions lately too. As much as the Dan Campbell thing, as I thought was going to be just an absolute shit show, mm-hmm. 
those guys play hard for him. They do. And you're seeing a real change. I mean, you can talk about changing culture, and sometimes it's bullshit, and sometimes it's, it's legit. Dan Campbell's is a legit change in culture. Those guys are playing hard. Now, and they are getting rid of the guys who aren't. Like, I don't even saw the state. Jamie Collins just got released because they couldn't find a trade partner for him. They're getting rid of a lot of the old guard, guys who aren't. They weren't really Matt Patricia guys, but they were more Matt Patricia guys than Dan Campbell guys. They're changing that thing out. They're going to be, I'm not going to say a force to be reckoned with, but they're going to play you hard every week. Yeah, and I mean, that's something that can't really be said about the Detroit Lions for the last, what, 20 years? I mean, mm-hmm. our entire lifetime. They've kind of With the been, exception of one or two years here and there. But the, they've played hard every week that they've showed up. They've played hard. They haven't got the results yet, but good on that, man. Good on the Detroit Lions. I thought that Dan Campbell thing was going to be just an absolute train wreck. And it I still thought, might be. Yeah, I mean, there's still time. <laughs> but I thought it would have been by now. That's right. what I'm saying. Like, I thought that would have been a train wreck today. That's fair. So there's that. I think the NFC, I think the NFC is better than the AFC is right now. Mm-hmm. I think that Green Bay looks really good. And I don't think we've even really talked about that game at all yet. No, we're gonna we're gonna and spend we're not a lot gonna, of time and we're not that. gonna yet either. We're gonna spend a lot of time on that. So with that said, we'll transition from Ramsey's radar. Ramsey, you have a pick for us in the college games and all this week, or you want to look at that a little bit later? Let, I will look right now. I will get back to you after the Brewer report. All right. So this is what's brewing with Eric Fisher. How are you guys doing? Milwaukee Brewers are your National League Central cha- Division champions. They are locked in at the two seats, so there will be more playoff games in, ba- in Milwaukee. I took the chance. Um, I took a gamble, if you will. Milwaukee Brewers' magic number heading into the weekend was three. They win Friday night. It was down to two. On Friday, or going into Saturday, I should say, the Cardinals, to this point, I think they've won like 15 or 16 straight games. It's insane what they're doing right now. You take a gamble, though. They're playing the Cubs, who... Basically a minor league baseball team at this point, but any given baseball game, anybody can win a game. You know, even the best teams still lose about 50, you know, even the best all-time teams still lose about 60 games a year. So with that said, took a gamble thinking, okay, if the Cubs can squeak one out against the Cardinals and the Brewers can win, might get to go to that confetti launch and see how the celebration champagne bottles pop in. Fortunately for me, uh, the Cardinals ended up pulling away in the seventh and eighth innings against the Cubs, took the win, and I believe they ended up winning five to three. So going into American Family Field on Saturday night, we knew at worst the Brewers were going to be one game away from Country Division, which they ended up doing Sunday. So that was cool. However, a really big weekend for Milwaukee. Um, on Saturday night, they honored Mr. Baseball Bob Uecker. And Ramsey, one of the coolest things. That they did. So, uh, as m- most of Wisconsin were, Bob Buecher, all-time legend, calling baseball. And he's branched out. He was on the Johnny Carson show a million times. He was, you know, in Mr. Belvedere. He's a WWE Hall of Famer. Just a long Just story. Did it all. Long story career. Funny, hilarious entertainer of a man. You know, what kind of what you see is what you get. So, he, to this year was his 50th year in the Brewers as the Brewers play-by-play guy. He's been in baseball for 66 years. He's 87 years old. And the Brewers were able to honor him for 50 years in the booth. 
Uh, actually, it's 51, but last year there was no fans, so they had to push that back to this year. So, uh, But they had honored him throughout the game. They had different videos of you know different people talking. Al Michaels had a video. Uh, different former players, the manager, Craig Council, um, Johnny Bench, former uh, former catcher with the Reds, Vin Scully, who's one of the most iconic voices of baseball, he used to be play-by-play guy for the Dodgers for 50, 60 some odd years, something like that. So just just a really cool night. And in typical Euchre fashion, they let him do the first pitch. So 36,000 people, standing ovation, let him come out to the mound. They had a covered up something, I'll put it that way. And usually when you do these retirement ceremonies, and he's not retiring, but usually when you do these special honoring Short ceremonies, usually there's like a, you know, it's like a canvas photo print or whatever. So kind of thought that's what was going on, right? And he comes out to do the first pitch. You know, it's all, everyone's clapping, everyone's laughing. You know, they've got a bunch of, best, of the best Eucharisms throughout the night. Well, once you know, the guy who talks about how he had the worst career in baseball came out to do the first pitch, lifts the cover off the thing at the mound, and it's a pitching machine. And it's still, he still bounced it in. So Bob Euchre got the honoring, um, and like I said, just throughout the night on on Saturday night, and then on Sunday, they the Brewers um, recognized Ryan Braun's career, where he officially retired, and had a big ceremony for him, former teammates, videos, things like that, just what he meant to Milwaukee, and a bunch of the different charities that he had worked with, whatnot. So really cool weekend for Milwaukee Brewers, and that off the field, if you will, um, obviously clinching the Central Division and the champagne bottles, getting to do so at Milwaukee for the first time since 2011. Because in 2018, when they clinched the division, that was in Chicago. 2011, that's the last time they had clinched and did it at home. So they had champagne bottles going in Milwaukee. They had confetti flying. Awesome stuff. Right now, uh, Luis Urias just had a two-run home run, take the lead over the Cardinals, hopefully clinch their, or knock out their playoff, um, or not their playoff, but their win streak. Cardinals just need one win to get in the playoffs, so that's pretty much a done deal here this week. But just a great time to be in going into baseball playoffs starting next week. About actually a week from Friday is when the Brewers will hit game one at home. Down in Milwaukee, tickets still available. That's your Brewer report. So, Eric, you just talked about uh, giving out the first pitch of the game. Yep. Could you get it to the catcher? If I set you out there right now. 100%. Dude, what's up with all these nerds throwing it like... Like Conor McGregor did last Yeah, week. like, I, what? How do you not get it to the pitcher? I have no idea. It rhymes it's 60 feet throw. 60 foot throw. Like, I guess I didn't know that, and that's probably bad on me that it's only 60 feet. But these people make it look like it's... Yeah. Like, wouldn't you throw a couple practice reps at home first to make it... You have to throw... Because you're not even, like, supposed to pitch it hard. You know, you basically have to lob it. Oh, I'm throwing a 70-mile-an-hour heater in there. Yeah, but that's, that's what I'm saying, though. Is it's, it's 20 yards. If you can't throw a baseball 20 yards, you know, if neither one of us could, I'd have more concerns than getting it there. Like, right. Like, it, it's, it's really like Conor – I'll give Conor McGregor the, the European pass. No. Not much of a thrower in any of the European sports. I think he's been living in America since he broke his leg. I'll still give Conor McGregor the, the, the pass. That's enough time to pick up a baseball. I'll give you that. I've I, picked up a baseball since then. I'll, I'll give you that. But, yeah, it just, yeah. I, I don't get how, it, how you can have that bad of a first pitch unless you're, like, five. Or is it one of those things that people, like, intentionally try to make it look really hard? I don't know. 
Like, I would not doubt for a second that some of those, like, you ever see 50 Cent's from a couple years back? 50 Cent had, up until the Connor one, one of the worst ones where it spiked in the ground and went, like, 40 feet the other way, and, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just bad stuff, so. No, I could definitely throw a first pitch. I'd probably throw a knuckleball, honestly. I've, I've thought about this. I've had some time to think about this. So just in case you ever get asked. Uh... Well, you know, you go to enough Timberlake games, you're a team owner. You know, you do enough of the, the stuff with the radio station. Hopefully the Root for Wisconsin show one day. We were down um, when Sean and I went to the game Saturday. We sat in the club seats, which is just a little bit nicer, a little bit bigger. You know, they're not really like, I mean, it's inclusive, but it's not really that inclusive. It's not like Lambeau Field. I mean, you still have like, some of the better dining options, but whatever. Um... But then there's so there's the suites, and then there's like the just like the general like there's still the outside seats, and they're not that much more expensive. So, we sat there, and she's, you know, we're walking. And we sat there before, but we're looking like, dude, we gotta get the roof for Wisconsin show one of these suites one day. Like we have to be a big enough deal where we can rent out a suite and go to a brewery. I can tell you what, if I'm renting a suite, it's not gonna be for a Brewers game. You know, we had this conversation actually. I'm glad you bring this up. About if the Root for Wisconsin show ever got to get like a suite as like a guest of the Brewers, we debate bringing you. Of course, we would bring you. But like the like, thought would come up like the he's thought would gonna... be like, Bram's gonna get really drunk, not watch any baseball. Is this really something we want to do, or should this be an Eric and Justin appearance? We but would still bring you. You gotta give the people what they want to see. Yeah, that, that's that's ultimately what it came down to. But all the love. But that's what the conversation was. So. <laughs> Um, speaking of some bets, okay, I was uh, bruising the VegasInsider.com. Okay, and on the VegasInsider.com, Duke, North Carolina, North Carolina is favored by nineteen. It, depending where you go, you can go all the way up to twenty and a half. Okay, I would take Duke to cover the twenty and a half. Okay. I got two other ones, Boston College, to cover against Clemson. Depending where you're at, you can get it at 16. Give me Boston College to cover 16. And I believe it was Arkansas covering Georgia. And I believe Arkansas, you could also get them at, or Georgia was an 18-point favorite. So I believe... You could probably get Arkansas to cover somewhere around the 20-point range again. I would take all three of those bets. We can mark it down. Mess it a parlay, if you will. I don't know if I'd take all. I would throw some scratch probably in all three. I don't know if I'd parlay them, though, because I I doubt all three of those are going to happen. But (laughs) one of those should make your money back in a little bit more. All right. Well, we'll revisit that next week. Speaking of college football... This is usually where Justin would tell us about the Badgers, and we're done talking about them. Honestly, though, like Ramsey, you said you didn't watch any of that game. I, no, because they're bad. That was a ten to ten game at the end of the third quarter, thirteen thirteen maybe. It ended up being forty one to thirteen final. Graham Mertz is hot dog shit. You know, and that's so like I hate saying that because because I had such high hopes. Like he succeeded at every level. Like he was cons- he was succeeding. And all those, you know, and granted, he's playing against guys who are still two, three years older than him, and it's not really, but it should be that big of a gap. It was like, against Trevor Lawrence. Well, or that's, Tua, that's what I'm saying. Or... Like, you look at, you look at, like, he was so successful in all those All American games, like all those showcase games he played in. 
And then he came to college. He had two really good games, and and maybe this week will be the get right game against Michigan that he needed from last year. But he had two really good games as a starter last year. Gets COVID, and then he forgot how to throw a football. Yeah, he is how to read a defense. Hot dog poop. Not even worth watching. And he has his own logo. He does. Yeah, he's the first college football player to ever make his own logo. Yeah, take that logo, take it back, because you don't deserve to sell any t-shirts. You... It's been bad. It has not been great. And that's the other thing, too. I'm with you. It's like, I want him to be really good, because that makes watching the Badgers fun. Right. Right now, they hurt to watch. Well, and, like, their their defense is so good. So, I mean, realistically, they should keep you in just about every game. And the defense was not at fault for this weekend. The defense was pitching, what's, I mean, for lack of a better term, they were basically pitching a shutout through three quarters. When they're on the field, after every three and out, three and out, three and out, and just the offense can't get anything going, it's just what's going to happen. Well, and the other thing I'm pro too, Wisconsin was favored by six. Six and a half. So you probably could have found that at, what, seven somewhere? You seven, could have probably got that for seven. You probably could have got it for six on the cheap end. I know when we talked about that last week, that was a game that I would have bet the Notre Dame money line on. Just hot, steaming dog poop. And that's, that's I mean, Notre Dame, I don't think they're 41-13 good over anybody. I don't think Notre Dame is that great anyways. That's what I'm saying. They're not 41-13 great over anybody. They barely survive against Florida State. Florida State gets knocked off by Jacksonville State a week later. They barely survive Toledo, right. Tulane, whichever one. Doesn't matter. Barely survive that. You come into them against Wisconsin. That should have been at least a game. And it just wasn't a It ended up not even being a game. Yeah, because we're, we're, we're not good. So can I add that to the rules? So there's only one other rule. We're not allowed to compare Aaron Rodgers to Tom Brady. Um could we add, we're not allowed to talk about the Badgers until they win a game? If Justin comes on at some point, I think we might have to, to amend that rule. The, I, I'm going to say this is the last thing. I would not, I think right now, betting-wise, that game's a toss-up between them and Michigan. Uh, right now, according to uh, Caesar Sportsbook, that's Wisconsin by one at home, so that's a toss-up. How is Wisconsin only favored by one at home? Because they're playing 14th ranked Michigan, but they don't think Michigan's that good either. And that's going to be the, the Fox big game of the week again, the big noon game or whatever. Yeah, we've had real good success with any of those lately. Yeah, so that is our kind of Badger report, kind of. Yeah, until Justin comes on to, to do the Badger report, we are no longer talking about the Badgers until they actually win a game. I'm okay with that. We might have to. We'll see if Justin joins next week. We'll we'll discuss later. But so with that, there was a Wisconsin football team that played pretty damn good this weekend. Really? Yeah, I would have to say so. And that being the Green Bay Packers. Who? Exactly. And the Green Bay Packers. I would argue. I mean, this is. I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I think we both said it before we started recording individually, but. This was Matt LaFleur's biggest win as a football coach, at least in the right, arguably in the regular season. 
or not even arguably in the regular season, but arguably his biggest win as a coach of this football team. I think it was. I think that was the biggest one the Packers have had in probably 10 years. That win on Sunday night was huge. Be, and you know why it was huge, Eric? Tell me. I'll tell you why it was huge. It was because San Francisco, for the last few years, has been known as being a really physical football team. They were three-and-a-half-point favorites. And Green Bay, for the most part, has struggled when they play teams that are more physical than they are. Right. That's that. In essentially what happened last year in the NFC Championship game was that Tampa Bay was more physical than they were. Right. And Green Bay took every shot. Green Bay was the more physically aggressive team the entire game. I don't know. I mean, there's still questions about this team. They're still forming an identity. They answered a lot of those questions for the early part of the season, that game. And I think they had to. You needed that kind of a game. Yeah, no, that was... I mean, if we looked at the schedule coming out, right? Mm -hmm. And we said New Orleans, Detroit, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. You would have said we have to be 2-1. and one. Agree, Without a doubt, yeah. And after this, we lost to New Orleans... I, I said, I don't know if I said it on the pod, but I definitely said to people and people around me, you know, if we come out on Sunday and Detroit looks really good and we lose you to Detroit. You said that on the pod? That wouldn't shock me. You I didn't, said that here? You said that last week you didn't expect a win, which, you know, I, I remember on the show I, I was very confident, but as the week went on, I'm like, Elton Jenkins went down. He didn't even travel to San Francisco. I'm like, this isn't going to be good. I had just a bad feeling, and... The same thing we talked about with the Bucks back when they had their playoff run. They answered every single bell. And that was so good to see. And how good is Devontae Adams? I, I don't know what that dude's made out of. He, he took a shot. And, you know, I, I always used to say, and I follow receivers very closely because I, I find that position fascinating. Mm-hmm. And obviously the best receiver I've ever seen play is Randy Moss. Yeah. I think number two was Calvin Johnson. Arguably, yeah. And then I think T.O. was probably number three. You could argue any of those three in any of that order. I think it was Moss, Johnson, Owens. And Ocho Cinco is not far behind either. Ocho Cinco didn't have the longevity those other three guys did. No, but you could still reasonably put him in that top five conversation. He was really good there for about three years. Right. At 2006 to 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. I think Devontae Adams is in that category. Oh, without a doubt. I think he's, and I was saying this on Sunday. I'm like, I'm watching this game and I'm watching Devontae. I'm like, he might be the best receiver I've ever seen play. I, I, I have. He is, without a doubt, the one of two greatest athletes to ever play in Green Bay between him and Charles Woodson. Oh, Reggie White. Reggie White was a physical force. I don't know if I'd say it, just the the athleticism. He was an athlete. Oh, okay. So still one How of the modern era. In our That's, lifetime, right? Okay. I mean, Reggie White was a, in our lifetime, but he wasn't necessarily in our memory. You right. Know what I mean. So, even with that said, I mean, just the shot that he took. And first of all, I, I want to talk about that for a second, just to, not to derail too much here. I, first of all, the fact that that wasn't a penalty is 
there's two penalties you could have called there. The fact you call neither, whatever. We'll get to that more in a little bit here. But first of all, shame on NBC for that close up of him when he's on the ground and you think he has no idea where he is. Right. Because even even though he ends up being okay, you still don't. You don't know. put that on TV before you know. Right. Like the dude, his eyes look glassed over. He's just, you know, blank. Yep. And. Like I said, just the fact that they put that on TV is it was appalling to me. But that's just me as a as a media nerd. Um, but yeah, so you take that shot, and you're back one play later. Have you ever seen a receiver that can just get open? Not like that, no. The separation that Devonte Adams creates on good defensive backs is just it baffles me every time I watch him play. Because he, when you watch him, like when you just watch Randy Moss, you'd be like. Okay, that guy's probably one of the fastest players on the field. And he's also he's one of the fastest six players. Five. He's six five. He's got giant hands. When you just watch Calvin Johnson, you're like, okay, that dude's six five, two forty, and massive. Is huge running down the field, right? Devante is my size. Mm-hmm. Like when I say next to Devante, Devante is not like he's bigger than I am, obviously, because he's an NFL player. Right. But you wouldn't go, okay, that guy's so much bigger than Ramsey. No, I like we're relatively similar in size. And I have never seen somebody be able to catch or create separation. His footwork is not paralleled in football. No. His, and the conversation is always, it's always Allen Iverson with the, the yeah. crossover and the footwork. That's not even hyperbole. It's, it's that same tier yep. of, of athlete, that same tier of I'm better than you. I'm going to outwork you. And just get open. And gets open. And for what it's worth, too, he also has that trait that, like, what Damon Tomlinson used to have, mm-hmm. where he, outside of Sunday, I mean, Sunday's obviously, that was a big hit, but he doesn't seem to get hit hard very often because he creates that space off of people. Well, he's just so good at, I mean, and Aaron, and this is also a little bit on Aaron Rodgers, too. But just the way that he's able, like you said, he's able to get open. It's so many. It's the back shoulder route, just going to the sideline right. quick. It's it's creating that that separation to get open in the middle of the zone, hit in stride, and either you know fight forward, take what you get, and then I mean you still get tackled, but it's just it's so much different. It's some yeah. He's Devontae Adams is something else, man. He's. And even Aaron Jones looked really good too. We're talking about Aaron other... Jones looked good. I... AJ Dillon looked good. In stretches. AJ Dillon looked good. Marquez Valdez Scantling. I want to talk about this too. We had a lot. He was probably the most talked about Packer last season throughout the year. Well, yeah, he couldn't catch a ball. Couldn't catch a ball. The work that he put in this offseason. I know we talked. Mason and I had talked about this in our mm-hmm. interview I did with him. And you see it in training camp. You see it in these early games. The hands that he has this season. His ability, his route running is so much sharper. It's he is going, you know, if Devontae leaves this offseason, it sucks. You don't want him leaving ever. Right. But Marquez Valdez Scanling is not a bad receiver. No. He and is he would probably be I'd probably say a two on almost every other NFL team. He'd probably be a one on a couple. But he's at worst a two on almost every other team in the NFL. I think it's a three. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of really good receivers in the league. 
Sure. But when you look at what he can do, maybe he's just a product of Aaron Rodgers. Maybe. We have not seen him without Aaron Rodgers. But just the growth that he's taken from year three to year four... Is huge. Is huge. And you see that a lot between years two and three. Then, And you saw a lot of growth from last year, too. Yep. From two to three. But from three to four now, it's that just that next step to where he is going to be a good wide receiver in this league for a while. Um, I, I know we mentioned it just a couple minutes ago, but how much of the game did you watch Sunday? You watched the whole thing? I watched most of it. I did, I fell asleep uh, probably the end of the third, middle third. So you missed the I, the majority of what became it became such a bad officiated game. And I'm I'm so glad the Packers ended up winning because I didn't want to have these conversations about officiating because the result of a game is very rarely, if ever, a result of officiating. Right. But it doesn't help ever. So you saw the Devonte hit. Most of the NFL right. world has seen the Devonte hit. First of all, the fact that you even if, because the 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 NBC broadcast had said that the reason that that becomes not a penalty, the reason it doesn't get called, is because the ref is out of position. The back judge was out of position. He doesn't get to see the head-to-head hit. Yeah, but that's not an excuse either, though. No, that is a piss-poor excuse. I hate NBC, though, too. Can we talk about that? I, I cannot stand watching NBC games. Why is that? Just, just curious, quick. I don't like them. I just don't. I think their production values really well. Mm-hmm. I just I hate watching. Maybe it's Chris Collinsworth. I don't like Chris Collinsworth. He's kind I'm of not a nerd. big fan of him, but no, I'll, I'll give you that. But as mentioned, they're they had this this you know as almost every broadcast has to know you have to have the form official as an analyst, right? Whether Dean Blandino or whoever, you, every uh, network who's has the other guy. Um, oh God, Pereira, Mike, Mike Pereira. Pereira. And then there, I think there's one or two others too, but uh, Gene Steratore does notice some yep. stuff too uh, for CBS. But anyway, so that all said, first of all, you can't, as a referee, put yourself in that position to be out of position. That's terrible. Second of all, even if you don't see the head-to-head hit, you that's defenseless receiver 101, right? Like that's, yep. that's just what that is. Third of all, or fourth, third, fourth, whatever point I'm on now, at that point, you know, we have this new, like the NFL has these new, you know, the official in the sky, if you will, the eye in the sky, who's supposed to buzz down and be like, hey, that probably should be a flag. Where was that? Richard Eisen pointed that out. You know, in general, though, is, are we, are we having a problem in the NFL where we're over-officiating games? As a whole, sure, but that's, that's textbook on two penalties. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm in general though. Well, sure. If we got to the point where we should not have to have the game is so complicated that we have to have former officials come on and explain every single rule. Yeah, I think well, that's and, and you even look at what and the reason it became such a I mean, obviously Devontae's being okay, so it's not like the world's going to end on that. But you look at what transpires the next I believe I think it was actually the next San Francisco drive. You get a nonsense roughing the passer on Jair Alexander. Right. Who he pushed the quarterback's shoulder. Did what shoulder, you're supposed to do. Got out of the way, pushed the shoulder because he was already engaged. 
did not land on him, did not wrap up. Right. Textbook, whatever. Two, three plays later, you get a tripping penalty on Adrian Amos, which, I mean, by the letter of the law, it was tripping. Like, that's not taking away. You see one or two tripping penalties a year, maybe. I mean, as a Packer fan, so I can't always speak for all the other games, but yeah, that's usually about one a year. And I'm saying that in the NFL, you see one or two a year. I I would say Green Bay, we've had. And then just, just just the Mickey Mouse aspect of this whole... We're going to emphasize taunting. That's your biggest offseason. We've talked about this before. I think we talked about this after week one of that's your biggest bugaboo right now. Taunting. It's so pathetic. So I, I would agree with There is definitely some over-officiating. Um, now, to go back to the game, I mean, I, I know you had mentioned this to my thing on Facebook because I, I came out kind of guns blazing after the win Sunday night. I don't know, I mean, and maybe the performance, whatever, but I really don't see how anybody can have any questions about Aaron Rodgers' intensity to this team. Oh, I can. devotion to this team. Do you want to talk about this? I did I, some I research. I would love to. So it, this is an anomaly. Aaron Rodgers, in his career, is at 18 come from behind wins in the fourth quarter. Okay. And you would say, okay, 18, that's pretty good. Right. He's like 39th all time. And it's not like, it's like people like Derek Carr that are in front of him. Joe Flacco's in front of him. Jay Cutler's in front of him. There is, I, you know, I can even pull up the list. And it's not like Aaron is close to these guys either. Yeah, but how many of those guys are, are in teams where they have been behind a lot? Like, I mean, okay, but Tom, Brady, Tom Brady's years. one. Peyton, Manning, or Tom, Peyton Manning's one. Tom Brady's two. Sure. Those teams don't play from behind ever. And that's so I I was kind of looking and I don't think that what we saw on like I said, what we saw on Sunday isn't necessarily normal from Aaron Rodgers. That's not a normal stat from him. And you know, we all think about those big plays, like the one in Detroit, yep, the one in Arizona, yep, obviously the big one on Sunday. Yep. Um the one to Jared Cook on the sideline in Dallas. The one to Randall Cobb against the Bears. Which one? The one I know. I know it's a huge one. comeback. Yeah. But so let's just talk right now. Active players who are in front of Aaron Rodgers. Joe Flacco, who I guess isn't really that active anymore. Um, Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill, Andy Dalton, Russell Wilson, Tony Romo was in front of him, Eli Manning, Brett Favre, Vinny Testaverde, Philip Rivers, Matt Stafford, Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. And that's not naming everybody. That's just the ones that are kind of modern era. Okay, so that's, that's, that's fine. But my, my biggest point with this Remember week one when everyone was talking about, oh, yeah, Aaron's checked out, whatever? I don't think you can say that anymore. You can say that, yeah, sure, maybe he's not. You know, that, I'll give you that. Um, I, would, I would counter just for argument's sake of every single player, well, not every single player, but most of the players you mentioned have had better defenses to keep games close. And the games that Aaron Rodgers has lost as a starter as a whole really haven't usually been that close. So I kind of, I, I so I kind of just took another step on that, and honestly, what I my conclusion that I came to 
that Ben Roethlisberger and Aaron Rodgers are closer statistical-wise than Aaron is to, like, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning. And that's not due to lack of talent, but that is due to the fact that Aaron seems to lay an egg or two where he gets in a bad mood and kind of has a little bitch fit about stuff. And even Aaron in the NFC Championship game, going back to it, he couldn't score in the second half. Like, so can you question Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I think that you we should I don't I think we give Aaron Rodgers a little too much of a free pass on stuff because when stuff goes well, like Green Bay was a better team on Sunday. Right. I think everyone could agree with that. So stuff's going well for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is hitting passes to receivers. Aaron Rodgers is doing the Aaron Rodgers things. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we all think of Aaron Rodgers doing. Right. Like I said, traditionally speaking, though, that on Sunday wasn't normal. That's not usually how it goes in fourth quarter for Aaron Rodgers. More often than not, it's him trailing and can't get the ball to move down the field. When they lose. When they're down in the late spot. Right. So, like I said, I, and I'm looking at Aaron's numbers. Outside of, like, obviously, passer rating, completion percentage, basically win-loss and come-from-behind wins. Like I said, Aaron's closer to Ben Roethlisberger. And I would say that Aaron, in general, has had a relatively competent general manager and competent coaching. Not great, but Aaron's not been a dumpster fire ever. So can we question Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I think that's a fair... If people want to question how committed Aaron Rodgers is to things, that's fair to question. Do I necessarily agree with you? No, because I think for the most part, Aaron Rodgers is an all-time great player, and he's not Ben Roethlisberger. But like I said, in fourth-quarter comebacks, he has 18. So he's been in the league, what, 17 years now? So about one a year? Sure. But I, my ultimate point with it, it wasn't longevity-wise. It wasn't, it wasn't legacy-wise. I mean, when Aaron Rodgers hits those comebacks, though, I mean, you know, the, the picture from Dallas goes around, and then they picture, um, there was like a new one this year who, Guy takes a selfie with a bunch of 49ers fans around him and says they gave him 37 seconds and they're celebrating. Right. But the main, my main takeaway from this isn't, isn't that it's, you know, um, you know, long term. My, my takeaway from this and, and my point with this is that for all the talk that had gone on this offseason and, and all the talk after week one and, you name it. I there's a I mean there's a guy and this is kind of what I thought was going to happen is this that even even if he doesn't want to be here, which I still disagree with. I think he does want to be in Green Bay. Even if he doesn't want to be here, he's going to show up for his guys. And anybody who thinks he's mailing it in this season, anyone who thinks that he's not dedicated to this team, dedicated to winning, is a clown. And what I mean more so, and I think what other people are, they're kind of, I, I shouldn't say this is what I think a lot of Packer fans think because I don't think that's what it is. 
But I think there are some general questions about Aaron Rodgers and his actual commitment to stuff. Like, Tom Brady is committed to winning and committed to excellence. Peyton Manning was committed to winning and committed to excellence. I could even say that Drew Brees was committed to winning and committed to excellence. I cannot say the same thing for Aaron Rodgers. And so when I say, can you question Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, you can. And I think that, honestly, we probably should a little more. He's won four in NFC Championship games. Granted, a lot of that's not necessarily on him. But the one that he won, he didn't necessarily play well in that game either. Uh, that, yeah. So, and that's, that, so I, maybe that's, that's when I say, is there a place to question Aaron Rodgers? I, I say absolutely yes. What other Packer fans are questioning of Aaron Rodgers? I don't think that's the case. I do think you are right when you say who you were intending that for. Right. I and, think that was what it is. And that's 100% exactly what's going on. I mean, there's there's always going to be questions on on just about any player who's not Tom Brady in the NFL right now. But the fact of the matter, I mean, I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Very few things, and I don't know why this gets to me so bad, but very few things get to me the way that, like, the casual football fan who gets caught up in every freaking storyline from every big talking head and then just regurgitates it, regurgitates memes on Facebook and Twitter and and talks so much shit with nothing to back it up with. And the second something goes right, look at that. They're right back on, oh, I told you Aaron Rodgers is the greatest thing ever. Maybe that makes me, I, I, I don't know, I kind of want to be the bad guy here, like the, the classic WWE heel. But just it's it's just so annoying to me. And just I sit there and you look at this and just, you know, as somebody who covers the team and in both this podcast, the blog world, covers it on, you know, with the radio station, and then you've got people out there who just I I don't know if they just don't take it and you know, it's football, so you know it's a sport, it's a, it's a game. They just don't take it seriously. They just they regurgitate these memes from these talking heads nationally that don't know their ass from their head and just I don't know why that it just gets to me. Well, you and me do. You know people need to have a story. And a lot of the so-called talking heads, they're not reporters. They are opinionists. 100%. And that's... So I think I, so I think we're more so talking about a people taking opinion as fact and people taking fact as opinion. It, and that's 100% what it is. And that's, that's on me. That's not on casual Joe Schmo football fan. That's been hundred percent on me, but at the same time, I like we're supposed to be the best fans in football. You know, every friggin' year, NFL on Fox or you know SNF on NBC, whatever. You name it, your social media channel does like those polls of the best sports fans or the best you know fans in football. And every year, Green Bay's in the top you know one or two or top handful, whatever. And just the fact that it's just it's so blatant, like the level of of taking these these talking heads as fact and this whole offseason really kind of proved that to me. And the fact that, you know, you have people who wanna you know, they, they come and support and, you know, this, that and the other thing, and then they're just regurgitating something Schefter said. And then, you know, you, they don't take the second to look at it critically. If you if you look at what's said 
and you take a second to step back and look at something critically, you'll usually see the truth. But like I've said before, and I'm not necessarily defending everybody, but the offseason wasn't nothing. No, it wasn't nothing, but it was definitely, I think, and I'll say it again, definitely more than what actually happened. See, I disagree. I think it was there was more going on behind the scenes that we didn't actually find out about because Aaron's camp is relatively tight-lipped and the Green Bay Packers in general are relatively tight-lipped. So even the fact that story got out to begin with. But are, are we even sure, and this is just me being skeptical at this point, but are we even sure that this, is, this wasn't the Packers kind of taking advantage of that reputation? Because, I mean, for all intents and purposes... If you look at the writing, and this is kind of what's been bothering me the most this offseason, is I'm sure Aaron Rodgers had some you know thoughts about not playing football this year. And I think that's where it kind of came down to. It wasn't a matter of playing elsewhere. It was a matter of not playing. It well, was maybe Aaron's, retired. Aaron came out and said he was 50-50 on coming back. Yeah. But Aaron right. said that's, that That's himself. what I'm saying. So Aaron has said this. We know this is fact. So is this maybe a case where... Aaron is taking time away from football, you know, in the offseason, spending time with his, you know, his wife, fiance, whatever. Are they married? Uh, yeah, who are um, Charlene. And, and Miles Teller and, you know, whoever and A.J. Hawk and, you know, insert person's name here, spending time with them in the offseason. And doing his own thing, you know, finding peace with his own, you know, his own life off the field and nothing wrong with that. Well, and even Aaron, I have never once blamed Aaron for the stuff he said. For no, the not most at all. part, I've been team Aaron, and for the most part, I think that Aaron should be calling out the organization because I do think the organization in general has been relatively complacent over the last decade. Yeah, I think that so everything that Aaron this and even after that NFC Championship game, I don't necessarily know if I'd want to come back either if I'm Aaron. I have the money. I have the Super Bowl ring. I have the MVPs. What else do I really have? You're happy off the field. What else do I really have to go back for? So I think when Aaron says stuff like, oh, it's 50-50 on retiring, I mean, I, at that point in Aaron's career, I'm probably 50-50 retiring every single year. Well, right, and that's, that's what I'm ultimately saying here. Is this was never a, I hate Green Bay, I hate the front office, I, you know, I want to play anywhere else. This was a... I'm not sure I wanted to play football anymore. I'm in a good spot in my life. I don't necessarily need football anymore. That's what it's been to me. And, and you know, he he decided to come back, play, you know, at least one more year. If not two, we'll see. But I just, I, I've never gotten the people who just regurgitate everything and, and take this all without considering both sides of the source and, you know, thinking everything's gospel, this, that, and the other thing. It just It's one of my pet peeves, but that's on me. Um, but, yeah, definitely, I know we had said this, but you said Matt LaFleur's biggest win as coach, uh, probably Aaron Rodgers' biggest win in a while. I So we talked about this off-air for a second. I cannot think of a bigger win since the Super Bowl. Now, I'm sure there are other really big wins in there, but this was a game I really didn't think they had a chance. Well, biggest regular season win for sure. One of them, yeah. I mean, I, again, I'm sure there are other big wins I'm not thinking about right now. I mean, probably you could put it up right up there with the 
the comeback on the week opener or the 2017 season opener. Put that up there. See, I think this is bigger than, this is bigger than that though, because I was just against the Bears. Yeah, that's still embarrassing that end up winning the division though. Like, I mean still the Bears though. Double doink. Sure. But I mean it's up there with that. It's up there with I, that 2013 touchdown to Cobb when he came back off injury. There's a couple of those Seattle games that are really big. There's a couple of those Minnesota games that are really big. Even the New Orleans game last year. Yeah. Was a big win. But this feels bigger than those. This feels like a win that and you know, you've said this, this has been your biggest criticism of Matt LaFleur was that they don't win the games they're not supposed to. At least they haven't under LaFleur. Well, even There's, McCarthy didn't either. Not at the end anyway. Yeah. But this was a game where, I mean, betting wise, it was the 49ers favored by four and a half. And that swung, or right? Three and I a mean, half. That swung 49ers pretty heavy at the end. This was a game where you look at. You know, going out east or going out west, which hasn't been great the last couple of years for the Packers. A year or a game where nationalized around Green Bay, where there's been some injuries lately. You know, you have a really not healthy offensive line. I mean, really rookies, second year guys, second string guys. Your best two offensive linemen weren't even active for the game between Bakhtiar and Elton Jenkins. Well, and even just to silence some of the critics, too. For what it's worth, even the fact that they played well against the Lions. It didn't, it, they still had so many questions. There was a lot of questions, and there was a lot of people still chatting about the Packers in ways that we haven't really heard the Packers been chatted about in a long time. So you kind of silence critics. You performed well on a national stage, which, again, lately... Hasn't necessarily been our best moments. And you know what the biggest thing, and like I said, there's still going to be question marks. There's still question marks about the defense. However, I've, this is the best performance out of this defense I've seen in a while. They still gave up, what, 27 points, 28 points? But, I mean, really, you look at, you know, there's so many there's so many asterisks with that, too. I mean, you look at the touchdown before halftime. Should have been an intentional grounding. There wasn't. They scored a touchdown with Trey Lance, whatever. Did you see Trent Williams? level Eric Stokes. Yes. Just shove Eric Stokes in, actually. Yes. And I laughed so hard about that. I couldn't be mad about that touchdown. Right. Because San Francisco executed well above what any team really does. I mean, yeah. Alex Mack had the perfect block on Adrian Amos, Adrian Amos, and Trent Williams sent Eric Stokes in the next week. Like, just mm-hmm. pancake homeboy. So you had that play. You had um, the play. I mean, that whole drive with all the penalties that ended up being a touchdown for the Niners, too. So, I mean, really, you could argue, because they really should have had probably a three and out that drive before. There was a non, there was that roughing the passer. There was the BS penalty on Eric Stokes in coverage. There was a tripping penalty. There were so many outliers in that drive. But regardless, you know, take that one out of it, too. So, I mean, really. Devondre Campbell is that guy. Yeah, he is. He is exactly what they missed, not, you know, with Christian Kirksey, what they missed on with uh, yep. what Blake Martinez was supposed to be here. I guess maybe with the whole NFL thought Blake Martinez was in Green Bay just because he had the tackle stats. 
but he's so much far and above better. You have Jair Alexander, who probably had one of his not, you know, his probably one of his worst games as a pro, just because the catches were there but when they're usually not. But still, he didn't let up a huge play. Nope. You had Eric Stokes, who's kind of proving that he belongs in the NFL. You've had Shannon Sullivan, who was very quietly, you know, he played that third cornerback role because Kevin King didn't travel either because of an illness. I mean, honestly, the game within the defense has played bad. Like, there was, like you said, there were some yards and there were some touchdowns that probably shouldn't have happened. Right. But I'm not, at this point, I'm not discrediting the Packers on these. I think it's just more of a, that was a really good San Francisco team. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Shanahan, in general, is one of the best offensive minds in football today. Yeah. So he's going to get his. And the fact that you were able to keep him in check, Matt LaFleur outcoached him, especially in the first half. Right. I even say in the second half. I mean, I mean, there was some blank periods. But even that final drive or two, because they get the field goal to extend it, then San Francisco goes down and scores the touchdown that they needed, which right. it was a six-point game. You know, you kick the field goal, you, you play it smart at that point, kick the field goal, make it a six-point game. They need to have a touchdown, which they would have, you know, a field goal ties, a touchdown takes a bigger lead. Keeps you in the game, keeps you able to get that Mason Crosby field goal for the win. Just excellent executioning all the way across the board. Uh, coaching staff, offense, defense when it needed to be. I mean, yeah, you put them in, everybody in a little bit of a panic because Jusick gets in the end zone with 37 seconds left. You have no timeouts, but you also have Aaron Rodgers on the sideline. And that's been something that getting in position has never really been a huge problem, especially, I mean, we talked about that enough in the earlier part of the episode, but whatever. Um, I don't know. I mean, I know you were sleeping, but I, I wasn't worried. I I was calm, cool, collected. Well, because well, Green Bay was a better team. That's right. why you, and that's okay. Like it's okay when you're the better team, and that's where Green Bay for the last, and that's why it's such a big win, is that Green Bay for the last bit here has been. It looks like they're less talented, right? Mm-hmm. And now that Green Bay was the more talented team that night, you feel a little more confident. You're like, well, yeah, they scored whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and really in general, I think this is a big win because, that, again, that's a playoff team. Mm-hmm. San Francisco, they might have, if they have some injuries and stuff, maybe not. But as they sit today, right, that's a top 10 team in the league, in my opinion. So let me ask you this, and I want to just conclude our Packer talk with this. I saw this today, and at first I kind of laughed, considering, just considering where we thought the world was actually before this week and then after week one. Uh, Pete Prisco for CBS Sports came out with his NFL or his NFL Hall rankings after Week Three. Now that all the games are in the books, Pete Prisco's top three teams in the NFL: the Ram. I I, I want to say it was Buccaneers, Rams, or Rams Buccaneers. I knew it was one. Of, I know I don't remember the order, but I'm going to say Rams, Buccaneers, Packers. Top three. No. Today. Today. Kansas City is better. And I think Cleveland is better. I think Green Bay's five. I agree. I think the Rams are probably the best in the league today. I think the Rams are going to struggle down the stretch with that team is very top-loaded. Mm-hmm. 
and you're going to start seeing some dinged up injuries that I don't think they're going to be overcome. I think Tampa Bay is probably the most well-rounded team in the league, mm-hmm. but they've shown they can't run the ball this year. Right. And they are on their, what, third and fifth string corner right now? Basically, yeah. So you're missing a lot of your defensive secondary right now. And then I think Cleveland is in that category as well. That defense is stout. I think the only question now is if Baker implodes it. And I'm sure Baker's going to have some bad games at some point this year. However, he hasn't yet. Mm-hmm. And I think Kansas City, even though they've, they're have they 1-2, and two, right. you... Until they're beaten in uh, in the playoffs anymore, they're they're probably one of the favorites for the Super Bowl. So, but outside of that, I think Green Bay is probably five. And I think that they there's a few questions again in the secondary that haven't really been resolved necessarily. Right. And there's also those questions of Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari when they're actually be back. Mm-hmm. So, those few things get resolved. Green Bay is going to play Kansas City and Cleveland this year. Right. We'll know really quick. I think they get the Rams, too, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. I believe so. That's coming up, I think, in a few weeks. So with that, just to kind of wrap up Packer talk here, another big game coming up this weekend. It'll be 325 kick on Sunday. Packers host the Steelers. What are you thinking, Ramsey? It should be a Packer win. That Steelers team is not pretty good this year. I, I would have to agree. I mean, keys to the game, contain. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger looked awful on Sunday. Um, Juju went down. I don't know what his status going in the week is. I believe he's active. He's in my fantasy team. But he's got to be, at the very least, questionable. Um, you got to contain Najee Harris, who finally kind of had his coming out game. So I would, look, I would say that Green Bay is the more talented team. I'd feel pretty confident. I could, I'd have to look up what the opening kind of line here for that game is. But that should be, without looking, I am going to have it pulled up here in a second. I'm going to guess Packers by four and a half, five. I would guess by six. Let's take a look. Because that's at home. I mean, that's... Six and a half. Yeah. I'd probably take that in the points. I'd take Green Bay in the points. Probably. I'd, I'd agree with that. So... With that, we're going to wrap up the episode with what we always do and what we are rooting for this coming week. Plenty to choose from. Uh, Brewers last week of the regular season. That's probably where, you know, they're already clinched. Um, Badgers get a chance at redeeming against Michigan. We're not Uh, allowed to talk about the Badgers. You're right, my bad. Um, Big NASCAR race, Talladega. Another big week of NFL. It's a good sports week, and that's for sure. This is my favorite time of the sports year. And actually, and you know, one quick thing I got to talk about, and we missed it early in the episode. Milwaukee Bucks, like I said, they're get, I, I know I mentioned this throughout the episode, was that they're getting into um, training camp today. The numbers came out on the impact of the championship brought to Milwaukee. $57.6 million was rolled to that championship between the parades, the extra revenue from the games, the hotels, um, you name it. $57.6 million for a championship. I believe it. Sounds about right. So, you know, get once again, awesome job on the whole world, being, you know, Milwaukee being the center of the sports world. Um, 
that was pretty cool. And it looks like it should continue to at least be that way, at least in the upcoming weeks here. Um, so one of the centers of the sports world. So I think if I had to choose what I'm going to root for, a uh, big game for Gillette Friday night against the Vastapool up in Sturgeon Bay area. Uh, start there Friday night, Saturday night. Um, probably watch a lot of college football besides the team that were, will not be mentioned. I'll probably still watch that too, but I won't be happy about it. And then kind of see what the Brewers got against. They got the end of the season against the Dodgers. See how they kind of stack up there. And then, yeah, Packer football on Sunday. What do you got, Rams? Uh, big NASCAR race down in Talladega, like I said. That, this is, pro- like I said earlier in the podcast, probably the biggest week in the NASCAR schedule outside of Daytona, Bristol, Dirt, and Phoenix. This is the big one. This is going to be, this is where your championship's going to be kind of decided and not necessarily to any doing of the drivers. It's just going to be dumb luck. So it could really just torpedo a championship contender. It, it, could, it could torpedo a fringe championship contender. Because like you said, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, and Hamlin will probably be okay, barring some disaster. Well, if Chase Elliott is taken on lap one. True. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Even Kyle Larson, he's 54 points above the cut line. If he gets taken out lap one and has a bad showing at the Roval, he's out. I mean, it's not necessarily just a guaranteed thing. Um, right. So Talladega is kind of the, especially going to the Roval the weekend after, a lot of your contenders are going to be contenders still. Mm-hmm. But if you're basically, like you were kind of saying, Denny Hamlin advanced, Kyle Larson's pretty damn close. Right. Kyle Busch is probably going to advance this weekend, if not. All right, just one quick NASCAR question here for you. If you're, let's say Chase Elliott, you're, you're in sixth place. You're above this cut line, but you're still not in a great, I mean, you're not, you're still in this cut line, but you're kind of in that middle pack of the next cut line. Or you know, just any, pick any number of guys in that, in that kind of that exterior group. You need to perform well. Or and or get a win this Sunday. What is the Ramsey Thompson Talladega strategy? Are you hanging back or are you racing up front all race? Oh, hanging back. Especially if you're Chase Elliott. So this weekend Chase Elliott's twenty two above. Chase Elliott just has to finish this race. Because Chase Elliott will be competitive at the Roval. Mm-hmm. And if as long as you finish Talladega with the car in one piece, go to the Roval next week, you should be fine. Mm-hmm. You just can't torp. You can't. I guess this we at Talladega for Chase Elliott. Well, let me let maybe if, if take Chase Elliott his road course success out of it. Still, if, if you're sixth, you you're can seventh. You can lose a championship this week. Outside of winning the race, you cannot win one. Right. And even winning it, you can't win. You can lose one though. You can lose it very fast if you're not careful. So I, if I'm Chase Elliott. Even the Kyle Bushes of the world who are pretty close, Martin Shooks Jr., mm-hmm. a lot of those playoff drivers, I'm going to take my chance and bet those other guys aren't going to win the race, and I'll be able to be up there towards the end. Okay. Just take care of your equipment, behave, and then... And, you know, that changes because there's the playoffs too. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about the spring race, yeah, go all out. I want to be up front. I want to be in front of everything. I want to drive the car as hard as I can the entire race. But this weekend specifically, 
especially if you're anyone based outside of Denny Hamlin. You can do a lot of damage to going forward if you're not careful. All right, very good stuff. That is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 42 in the books here. I'm Eric. That's Ramsey. Plenty of stuff that's going to happen this week. Follow along with our Facebook page or Twitter page. For the latest from Wisconsin sports, we'll keep you updated on our takes on things and and the world as a whole. So follow along. Awesome show, Ramsey. Thanks for joining me again this week. Got some big stuff coming up in the future. We didn't really talk about this episode. We're not going to talk about it for a little while, but you're going to like it. Group for Wisconsin show in the books. I'm Eric. That's Ramsey. We're out. See ya. Bye.